everybody, and welcome back to What Fresh Hell? Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly Lloyd, one of your hosts. Hey, and I'm Blair Brooks, your other host. <laughs> and today we are talking about toddler obsessions. Obsessions. This is a real thing, y'all. Real, real, real. Margaret and Amy talked about this uh, in a couple of their episodes on the original What Fresh Hell podcast talking about particularly boys' obsessions, and then one, I believe, about princesses as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a real thing, and it, it spreads far and wide. Oh, like the creeping muck from a overflowing pond. What? <laughs> that was a simile. <laughs> yes, a toddler obsession is a real thing, but you know what I want to know, Blair? Hmm. What is a toddler obsession? What is it? You know, according to... Bonnie Shadell in Today's Parent, she says that it's an intense interest. Molly, I got a couple of uh, intense interests, <laughs> but we can't talk about it here. <laughs> Wait, you talking about Brad Pitt? Circa 1995. Hey, yo, give me that. That's an intense interest. Give me some of that. <sighs> yeah, so it's like an intense interest in child development circles. And it often happens when in two to six-year-old range for a couple of reasons. The, say research is that the interest is pretend play. Imaginary world is generally at its highest in these ages. And kids in this age are wired to focus intently on just a few things because of their teeny tiny little brains. They're so tiny. And also, I think it's interesting to think about how they're hardwired to think that way because it is true. It almost, to me, lines up with their intense kind of emotions. Yes. Too. Like, for my son, who's four and a half, it is all or nothing. Like, mm-hmm. if I say, all right, I'm going to run upstairs and get dressed, and he'll say, no, instant weeping. No, I'm getting dressed with you. And that becomes, for those moments, his intense interest. His, you mm-hmm. know, it's not a long-term obsession, but... You can see how incredibly vividly and intensely he feels these things. Right. So for me, that kind of lines up with the obsession idea, right? Yeah, it's like a control thing. I think maybe because they don't feel as though they're in control most of the time. Because I am, because I'm your mother. But it's like, this is what I have control over. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be obsessed about it until I run out of my intense interest of it. Yes. And for those of you who are worried about this, if your kid is intensely interested in whatever, lawnmowers, Mm. tractors, skirts that are purple in color, no more, no less. Whatever that (laughs) obsession happens to be, no worries. It's very common. It's developmentally normal. Yeah. It starts around 12 to 18 months and it usually fades out around school age. So when they're exposed to more things at school and other kids' obsessions. (laughs) For sure. When they see a red skirt. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it is interesting to think about how the obsessions vary within that age range. Like, what are you seeing in your house with a two-year-old and a four-year-old? So the four-year-old is currently obsessed with, like, these little miniature, like, figurines, like, animals. Any kind of animal, dinosaur, tigers, especially. Like the kind that come in a tube? Like, you know, those little plastic things? Those are the ones. And when you step on them, you want to uh, murder a person. Yes, those are the ones. (laughs) So many sharp edges. So many. Those little tiny claws. Who knew? So he is obsessed with collecting them and putting them in certain piles. But more than anything, he's obsessed with putting them in bags in a travel case, if you will, and bringing it anywhere we go. That's like his main thing. And then the two-year-old 
you know what? God bless her. She is obsessed with putting on this princess dress that I got her for her birthday, which is adorable. But now it's, Mama, I want to be Elsa. So we put it on. Mama, I want to be Cinderella. Mind you, it's the same dress. It's always the same dress, but it's different. Oh, good for her for the flexibility. Right, exactly. Different princesses. But then the obsession becomes that she needs, as soon as she gets it on, along with her gloves and her crown and her scepter, she has got to dance with her brother. And I have (gasps) to put on, like, waltz music. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. And now it's gotten to the point where... The four-year-old, as soon as she gets dressed, he's already queued up Google. Hey, Google, play the waltz music. I swear to you that how it's so cute, though. First of all, I'm jealous and intimidated by the fact that they know what a waltz is, have heard waltz music. I'm like, okay, my mind is blown. Uh, Meanwhile, my son is just like Freddie Mercury. I'm like, okay, but at least he likes Queen. Yes. But I need to get him onto that waltz music. Well, the, the only reason why they know waltz music is because... I was just like, this kid needs to uh, uh, Google play some awesome music. Play, play something, something they can dance to. That is so sweet. The fact that your four-year-old is on board makes me so happy. I know. You know, me too. But the two-year-old, it gets to the point where it's like super demanding and a little bit annoying, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. where I'm doing something and it's just like, mama, I want to be Elsa. Put the dress on. And then it's like, cue up the music. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah, because if you don't do it immediately, then you get a one-way ticket to Meltdown Town. Oh, yes. And I love it there. I don't know about you, but I love it there. Meltdown Town is just a fun place where I like to go for like a quick weekend away. Everybody's (laughs) crying. Nobody makes any sense. And all our necks are bright red. They're bright red. Yes! It's a good time. It's like getting a sunburn at the beach, but much more painful. Talking about a problem with the animals, it's not so much... Okay, we have to bring it with us, whatever. But it's like we have to find the appropriate traveling bag, right? So if he, what kind of things does he use? We have like this little mesh bag that he uses if he's bringing like 10 to 15, if you will. And then we have this like a little suitcase that my two-year-old's teacup set came in. And that's if all Cute. 589 of them come with us. But then one day he brought just the mama white tiger and the baby white tiger. And he used my menstrual cup bag for that. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's like we are held hostage in the house until we find the appropriate traveling bag to go. And it's, you know, we've been late to many things. And again, we go to, to one way ticket to break down Tantrum Town if we don't find the right one. And for a second there, I was like, is this even healthy? Is this okay? Because mm-hmm. it, it was constant. It's like whenever we left the house. And, but now we just have like bags lined up on the counter. So it's like, I look at what he wants to bring. It's like, great, menstrual bag. You're coming with me today. Right. What's a D-man do? Oh, well, he's a funny one because he's never had that thing. I know a lot of kids get obsessed with a certain stuffy, so you have to buy dupes. Mm. <laughs> you have to have <laughs> five of them just in case it's like, oh, we left Mr. Peepers at the hotel. But no, he met us at home. Look at that. He is fast. <laughs> We've never had to do that. He's never been a stuffy or baby doll. He has baby dolls. He has stuffies, but he's never had an obsession mm. like that. He seems to have. And again, it's putting the brakes mm. On the progression of our day. Right. Yes. Yeah. Who's in charge all the time? 
mama or dada. Mm-hmm. So if D can be in charge by saying that he will not, he has to wear his Crocs <laughs> over his socks. And I'm like, okay, that's a hard no. But if it's <laughs> raining or something, right? I'm like, first of all, fashion, no. But also it is raining outside. And then it's meltdown town so fast. Mm-hmm. And it, what it does is it accomplishes his goal. He now has control, yeah, right? Yeah. Because he knows what does mama want? Mama wants to get out that door. I either need to get him to daycare on time or I need to get, you know, something done. And he's always on my schedule and now I'm on his. And I feel that shift and I respect it, but it also drives me betty. <laughs> because it really, I'm like, come on, you gotta, am I supposed to schedule 20 minutes to get outside the door? Yes. Yes, I am. And the answer <laughs> to that is a hard yes. <laughs> and so then you start to think about what can I do? Do I negotiate? Do I, you know, Sometimes you raise your voice and sometimes he's screaming at me, don't raise your voice to me as he's screaming at me. And I was like, well, this has gotten to a bad place, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So you think to yourself, what can I do? How can I handle this? Because I know that for these kids, the world is big. Mm-hmm. The world is so big. And we've all learned sort of how to see it and control it to the best of our abilities. What can we handle? But have we? S- But have we? I mean, that's a good question. But these kids, the world is big. And if they can have those moments of control, psychologically, I get it. Yeah. But emotionally and like tic-tac time wise, I do a thing which he hates, which I know, which is I tap on my wrist where a watch would be. And I go tic-tac and he hates it so much. Ooh, that's that mom move. It's like, yeah, it's pretty old. It's like, is it mom? Is it Cruella DeVille? I don't know. But I just, I'm trying to like be gentle, but I can feel the decibel of my voice going up here. Yeah. Oh, tic-tac, tic-tac, you know? And sometimes I wonder is, am I feeding the beast? Am I making this worse? Yeah. How can I make this better? That kind of thing. Yeah. And there are sometimes I just make a big old pizza for the beast and I feed that thing for my own personal sanity. Yeah. You negotiate, you fill in the blanks. Okay. So we know that toddler obsessions are annoying, but also quite normal. So let's just take a break. And when we come back, we'll discuss a little bit more and see what the uh, experts have to say about all this. Oh, sounds good to me. One of the experts wrote a book called Help My Toddler Came Without Instructions, and she's the one I want to hear from when we come back. (laughs) All right. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Okay, welcome back with Toddler Obsessions. We're talking about the many reasons why toddlers might become obsessed with something. Overall, it's about control. It's also about having them feel secure, having a routine, being comfortable. Another thing I read is that they are about social icebreakers, Hmm. which I identify with. Some kids can really tap into that. Uh. For instance, if it's about dinosaurs or something like that, then they have something they can talk to other kids on the playground with. That makes sense. Very human-like. That would be reason why my four-year-old is always like running after some strange kid on the playground like, do you like tigers? Do you like tigers? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) The tiger stalker, as my son is known. Yes, totally. It's also teaching them about how to learn, mm. which is about kind of what you're talking about. Dude, let's talk about tigers. Right. I was thinking about that. You were talking about the big white tiger and the little white tiger. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh, these kids are going to think that they're just going to go for a walk and see white tigers. <laughs> not unless you go see, you know, a tiger show in Vegas, baby. But yeah, it's teaching them not only are they learning about stuff, but they're learning how to learn. Right. And their little brains need that. Their little brains are sponges and they want to learn so badly. Yeah. And you were also talking about how he likes to put them in a certain order. That's actually a really common thing with toddler obsessions. There's a child psychologist named Penelope Leach. And she says, though your toddler stacking, grouping and sorting behavior may strike you as odd, it's actually perfectly normal for a child this age, which is so true. Well, good. I'm going to hand them some laundry. (laughs) Yes. Why are they never obsessed with things that would help me? Right? Yes. And that's an, you can say to him, as Penelope Leach says, hey, it's an important cognitive task. Just throw that out there. See what he says. Yeah, it is. Sort these whites and darks, man. <laughs> yes. You'll do better in math class in uh, trigonometry someday. <laughs> and also, you know, these are all multilayered. You, you know, we can try to boil it down to just control or just order or whatever. But it's a lot of things. Like, for instance, um, one of these uh, experts says a great example is trash trucks are huge. Oh, yes. Huge. Yeah. Because it hits on a number of things, which I totally understand. Yeah. Not only are they, oh, this is author Pip Lincoln. She writes in an article on babyology. They are bright. Indeed. They come at the same time every week. Routine. So that teaches them a routine that they can depend on. Right. Mm -hmm. And also, this was my favorite one that she said about trash trucks, cathartic destruction. (laughs) I was like, oh, yes. That just sounds nice. Sounds good. Yes. Get it out. So that's why so many kids, you see these really cute vids on TikTok or whatever of these kids lounging in the windows waiting for that their hero, the recycling truck driver, or their hero, the trash truck driver, Mm -hmm. it's because they can depend on that person. That made it sound sad. It made it sad. I didn't mean to. They have other things they can depend on. But but that's a bright, fun, loud thing. They get to see, there's also the object permanence thing where they get to see the trash and then the trash is gone. Gone. But next week, they're going to put out more trash. Yes. That's amazing. fascinating. Mm-hmm. We just get so like regular, regular, schmegular as adults that we miss that. Mm-hmm. And then here it is. That's just the fascinating things about, look at that, toddler obsession turns into human learning. Yes, for sure. And we forget about that sometimes. It gets so busy and you know, their toddlers push our buttons in so many good and sometimes frustrating ways. But as this author says, Pip Lincoln, 
She says, observing this simple routine, this trash truck or recycling truck routine, mm-hmm. helps children learn about sequencing, predicting the order of things, and making sense of the way things work. And I think that's what toddler obsessions are all about, making sense of the way things work, having that control, and being able to move forward in life having felt those things. Molly, we're doing laundry at our house later. Yes. I'll let you know how it goes. And I think that's going to start to be cathartic destruction on your son's part rather than learning the sequencing of things. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> My four-year-old helps with laundry sometimes, and he's getting pretty good at washcloths, but I draw Uh-oh. the line after washcloths. Right there. Because it gets crazy. <laughs> so I think that one thing we should touch on is we keep saying this is common, this is developmentally normal, mm. but we should touch briefly on is there a time that I should worry? Hmm. And because there are some things that toddler obsessions may be a part of to look out for. Mm -hmm. As our friend Penelope Leach says, it could be an example of what's toddler OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Please note, this is extremely rare in toddlers. Mm. But she says, instead of using organization to gain an understanding of her world, Mm. a child with OCD uses her compulsion to keep the world and the extreme anxiety and fear that it causes for her at bay. Oh. These obsessions and compulsions tend to get in the way of social interactions, interfere with normal activities, and are often accompanied by sleep problems, depression, and quirky eating habits. The biggest thing that she says and what, that I gained from this research is look at the whole child for these signs. Right. So, and the biggest thing to do is talk to your pediatrician. Of course. Just being obsessed with something is more than likely not a reason to worry, right. but it's look at the whole child and then always, always talk to your pediatrician. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think the biggest question for us is, how do I manage these difficulties? How do I manage the things that come up with this obsessive behavior from my toddler? Because it's hard. And especially like in this time during pandemics, Mm -hmm. especially when the obsession or the nonstop talk about things or the nonstop having to find travel bags for said little animals. You need to buy more... uh Cups. You need to buy Neuromaster. I do. I think I just solved your problem. (laughs) Thank you. It's a lot. It's strenuous on one's emotional soul. Yes. And you have a very good point. In this time that we're going through, kids are at home more. Mm -hmm. So whereas we heard in the beginning of this episode that it tends to kind of phase out around school age, kindergarten or first grade, it's because they're being introduced to and living next to the lives of other kids who are bringing in other interests, other obsessions, their worldview is widening. Mm -hmm. So how do we do this when our kids are all at home right now? Where they're not maybe getting that, you know, of course they have hopefully some cyber learning or, you know, safe outside playgroups or whatever everybody's choices is great. But it is, we all living slightly more isolated lives. Yeah. One thing that I've tried is, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I made a little tiny bed out of a shoebox for my kids' animals. <gasps> and if we leave the house, I say, hey, listen, these animals are super, super tired. They need to go to bed. And because it's like something tangible he can touch, he can do physically himself, he can put his obsessions to bed. He does that and it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it makes me feel like it's a win because it's like, okay, we've solved going to wine town for the moment. And I feel like I've done something creative for my child to uh, latch on to, you know? So that sounds, yeah, very creative to me. Yeah. It's, you know, every now and then. You guys are waltzing and making child beds for toys. And soon laundry, and it's going to be crazy 
I mean, amazing up in here. You should have a craft show. I would watch your craft show. Okay. I would love it. That's so good. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's actually, you know, has that they say, they say encourage their interests. And I think in some ways you're doing a great thing where you're setting a limit to what you're able to handle with yeah. dealing with all of this stuff yeah. and also encouraging you're not negating his current loves. I made it romantic, <laughs> but it's not his current obsession, right? His current intense interest, mm-hmm. which is really good. And I think that's a great thing to step back and think about is how can I encourage this interest? Mm. One thing that I have done that seems to work pretty well, and it goes against, I am someone who runs a little late all the time. Hmm. In high school, I was voted most likely to be late to graduation. And I was. Yes. So this is also something for Molly Lloyd to work on. But I have simply said, okay, it's going to take us 20 minutes to get out the door. Yeah. So I need to readjust my expectations about how this is going to go. So I have really started getting better about that. If we need to be somewhere that's half an hour away at two o'clock, I'm getting better at saying, okay, this is, you know, at 110, I start giving warnings. Mm. Not warnings. That sounds rough. I start saying, hey. Ten more minutes and we're going to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Five minutes left. Okay, this is your last two minutes. Why don't you choose what you want to do with, you know, whatever this Lego set is or whatever his current little obsession is? Uh How can I help with that? You know, so, yeah, managing those transitions better seems to really help with him. Oh, you're good, Molly. I'm just like, put him to bed. Let's go. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) I doubt it. Okay. An interesting thing that that I think about, too, is, you know, like your four-year-old on the playground saying, hey, who wants to talk about tigers? <laughs> Which is so great. And I bet he finds a lot of people who are like, you know what? I do. I'm four, too. And I love them. <laughs> but if you start to see, not in a way that's making you worried, but if that obsession with whatever is kind of limiting their social abilities a little bit mm-hmm. on the playground... One thing they say is you can role play social interactions. Oh, all right. Isn't that such a fun idea? We haven't had to do that yet, but I, you know, I'm an actor. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, frankly. I was just about to say, listen, sign me up. Yeah. You're like, okay, so I've created some costumes and a set. And we have a script. If you could just have a look at this. I know you can't read yet, but just uh, try your best. Try your best and action. Yes, I am taping this. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it helps the child to recognize when they need to dial back their enthusiasm among friends. Mm. And that's something, again, that I think is a really great social skill to be learning. And they're sponges. Yeah. And they want to do that. They want to do that. They want to share what they love. And they need to know when those limits have been met. And maybe they can open up and say, oh, I need to take a step back and ask this kid about his Daniel Tiger obsession. (laughs) Although in in our circle, it's Paw Patrol. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. (laughs) Oh, those Paw Patrols. They're Canadian accents. They're so cute. So those are a few ways that we can uh, think about helping to manage them. Yes. I love that advice. And we have a couple more strategies when we come back. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Yes! So, you know, listen, all of this stuff is very practical. And I'm actually learning, I'm learning a lot here. I really am. And especially the idea of keeping, having your kid be aware of their interest, but then also like making sure that they're interesting, right? And being able to like Mm -hmm. help that social aspect of themselves when they're on the playground, like, right? Yeah. Be an interesting person. Teach your kid a wide range of things. Mm -hmm. Play waltz at home and not just queen all the time. (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah. have (laughs) Open your kid's world up as much as you can. Yeah. They're not just obsessed, you know, have only one thing to talk about on the playground. That's essentially the big thing. Totally. But what do I do? In all honesty, you know, when it's 6 p.m., I've had a full day of work and I now have to think about dinner and I have a two-year-old who will not remove the princess dress and the gloves and the crown to go on to the playground when I don't want it to get ruined because I don't want to pay another $25 for, you know, and wait, you know, the two days for Amazon to bring another princess dress. You know what I mean? Like two days. Do I look like I'm made out of time, Amazon? I need it now. Come on. You need to airlift that princess dress to me, Stan. Wipe that silly smile off your box. (laughs) I, like, what do I do? And especially now, Molly, like, I just have, like, this, like, thing, this, like, time limit of my patience. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, ugh. Do I just handle the wine town? Do I Mm -hmm. just let you go on the playground and... Or, you know, do I just sit back and... Chill. Let it ride. Enter a different kind of wine. Let it ride. Right? Exactly. You know, that's a good point. And I have that same thing. I have like dips throughout the day, primarily at 1.30 p.m., 4.30 p.m. and 7, where I like, I dip and I go, oh, I can't handle this. And I think probably the thing that would help both of us out is having already preset limits. Mm. Maybe even written down on somewhere on the wall. Mm. Oh. Oh, actually, look, see, where are the places where we share our princess talents? Here, here, and here. Oh, Playgrounds is not on that list. Oh, Molly, you are on it. (laughs) That is smart. That might be something helpful. That might be something helpful. And then also, you know, it's that same thing that happens in so many mom moments of just like, and of course, like, you know, when you're like in the grocery store, like, oh my God, enjoy it. It doesn't last forever. It really doesn't. Like, it won't last forever. And I mean, I don't know about Lil D man, but these obsessions come in waves, right? We're obsessed for a month on something and then we're obsessed and then that completely goes away. And then we're obsessed for an entire like two days on something else. And yeah, so, so deep. And it just like, it does, it it ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And it's that feeling of like, okay, wait, this is normal. This isn't going to last forever. Yeah. Right. Right? So I'll try to enjoy it. And in the meantime, when it gets annoying, which it inevitably will, 
try to have <laughs> some limits already set. You know, another thing I read, which I thought was so smart and I need to do more of, mm. like when D-Man, my four-year-old, is crazy about like a certain Lego set, not Legos. He's not like, I love Legos. He's like, I have to have the Millennial Falcon. <laughs> Millennium Falcon? Millennial? <laughs> well, no, millennials are like people who are 30. Yeah. I think it's Millennium. Anyway, but he has to have that thing, bring it in the car. Pieces are falling off. Mm-hmm. He's like, where's the flame shooter in the back? And uh, and he gets a little obsessed with it. And rather than kind of turn away from that, and I do try to distract him sometimes with other things, what I think I can do is lean into it a little bit, as they mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. and say, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we create, let's take this huge piece of paper and these markers half of which are dried up. It's all right. <laughs> and let's make a landing pad for the Millennium Falcon. Let's, uh, hey, who can go in there? How about this little guy over here? Yeah. So that is another way to broaden his world, that his obsessive to that thing right then world in a way that could create other obsessions. No, create other <laughs> interests and also just kind of fill in that world with other kinds of things. Other things. Right, of course. So I, that's something I'd like to do more. That was a really helpful. That was a good takeaway for me in the looking up this toddler obsession stuff. That's amazing. I love how all of these doctors think we have so much time. Oh my God. So much time, you guys. So much time to just come up with all this. What should I do today? I think I'll just think about my kid's obsession. (laughs) (laughs) I'll obsess over it. That is true. I do obsess over it though. I do too, for sure. And just know all those little things, they're learning how to learn, which is awesome. You know, Molly, like actually... Margaret and Amy always say, you know, a little bit of lean in buys you a little extra time. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to consistently, you don't have to say no or, you know, try to negotiate with your kid for the next five hours. Just like lean into it a little bit Mm -hmm. just so that you can lean into a pint of Ben and Jerry's later. You know what I'm saying? I know this isn't on topic, but what's your Ben and Jerry's flavor of choice? Oh, girl, give me a little bit of that funky monkey. Remember that one? (gasps) Or there's one that was limited edition that they only sold in Target over the summer two years ago called Campfire Crunch, I think. Oh, that's a deep (gasps) cut. Oh, girl. Let me tell you, it had pretzels and peanuts and and (laughs) and hot dog pieces. Just kidding. And chocolate it was amazing anyway that was it sounds good oh that was a side note that brought me to a place oh it's a sidebar i'm just gonna like new york super fudge chunk it right up in this place see look the kids aren't the only ones with obsessions y'all but yes a little bit of lean in and it's fun to build that millennium falcon thing now and again and then maybe you can get your kids set up for success you know yeah i mean that's the whole point right yeah Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) It is really interesting to watch and see how this is going to develop or not develop into something. Like in uh, What Fresh Hell podcast, one of the kids who was obsessed with dinosaurs is now studying for like their PhD in paleontology. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I hope my son makes spaceships. Please let him make spaceships. But the other thing, right? Well, that's why I'm push the laundry. Maybe he'll own a hotel chain. I don't know. (laughs) That was a big jump, but I'm with it. I'm there. Or a laundromat. (laughs) Because those things, everyone needs a laundromat. Yeah, Yeah, it might be a momentary obsession, you know, today or tomorrow. It might be something a little long term. And unless you see those warning signs we Mm -hmm. told you about, Mm -hmm. certainly talk to your pediatrician. But otherwise, know that it's totally normal. It's developmentally on course. They are learning and they are learning how to learn. It won't last forever. So 
you know, try to find some patience, set up limits and try and have fun with them. In le- Enjoy it while you can. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Namaste a while. As Dr. Chansky, in the normal course of development, kids can have personality styles where they get very deep into their topic of interest. It's a reflection of their interest, but also their temperament, Mm. their level of fascination. And unless it's detrimental in any way, you can enjoy it along with them. Let it ride, little kid. Well, Molly, there it is. (laughs) We solved it. We did it. God, it feels good. Feels good to no longer have any problems. It just feels good to be perfect mothers. I literally just felt a rib pop in my lower ribs because I laughed so hard in an explosive kind of way. Oh, y'all, we're just trying to make it through in the best we can, right? That we are. This was awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks, y'all, for tuning in. We will see you soon. Yes. We're obsessed with you. Bye. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.